Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free. Welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss some of the good traits that leads or supervisors in a manufacturing setting exhibit. Welcome, Carly. Well, thank you, Miles. I think this is going to be a great discussion and give a lot of tips to people who maybe recognize this in themselves and didn't realize that it was a positive trait. I, th- I think that's right. I think there's going to be a lot of people will will recognize this in themselves and in their practice, but then they'll further reflect and build on it because they've been doing it naturally and so maybe we'll increase their awareness. So I'd like to start off with one I think is really important. In manufacturing, a lead man, a lead girl, a lead supervisor must be committed to continuous improvement. Correcting, revising, adapting, and improving themselves. Ha, you thought I was going to say they're subordinates. <laughs> I didn't. Improving themselves, the people and processes under their authority, and the policies and expectations of their management. Yes, feedback to their management. They are thoughtful and communicate effectively in all directions. No, oh, yeah, you're always, well, I'm too, continuous improvement fan, so you've got to start with that one. Otherwise, you're just spinning your wheels. Whole lot of work, and you're not getting anywhere. You're just reacting. Right. So another thing is when you're a, a lead or a supervisor, being your performer's biggest fan and supporter. And I'm not talking, oh, you know, fanboy, fangirl. I'm talking like actually appreciate and acknowledge their performer's strengths and understanding their vulnerabilities and holding their team in a state of presumed goodwill and best effort until the facts proved otherwise, you know, innocent and still proven guilty. Exactly. Until proven guilty. Yeah, I get it. That's that makes perfect sense. Character is best evidenced by how we speak of others when they're not around. I mean, it's also your actions when nobody's looking. So when that happens, whether it's good or bad, word always gets back. I I came from an all-girls school, let me tell you. (laughs) Things can fly around quickly. And appreciative team leads and supervisors have performers that will outperform everyone else just because they feel secure and safe and appreciated. I agree, but uh, when we talk about support, let's not forget that the lead's role, the supervisor's role is often training. Training is an important aspect of support. Sometimes it just means listening. I remember one of my early jobs, I was, I was the foreman and I had a guy that worked for me, he was senior guy and he was still fighting World War II. He was complaining mm. to me every night about how these French people were stealing gasoline. I'm like, dude, it's been 40 years. <laughs> but he needed somebody to listen and if I listened, you know, helped him, helped him work through that. Uh, sometimes support means we get to roll up our sleeves and lend a hand, one, to show that we can, two, to show belonging, and three, to actually support, you know, everybody working on the same thing. And sometimes by showing them, uh, people can pick up a refinement so you're actually 
teaching or training. So um, helping get it done, that's, that's support. There's also coaching, which we know training and coaching are two different things. Absolute difference. Yeah. Yep. So what's another one? Uh, problem solving is a big deal in manufacturing. Uh, even in the best processes, we've got anomalies and things we need to solve. But when we problem solve, that's different than when we blame people. And often when a problem comes into the management's office, the first words that we hear uttered is, who did this? Who? Who? We ask who? And in fact, enlightened management, enlightened leadership, enlightened supervisors understand there's a process, there's a system, and they follow the tenets of the human performance system and look at the system for where the system failed rather than immediately blame the performer who just happened to be on the job when the process failed. It's easy to blame the performer. I mean, that think that's natural, but truly it, it's not effective. It doesn't solve any problems. Figure out what's wrong in the process. And if it ends up being the performer, but that's your absolute last resort. I always ask who last. Who last. I like that. Yep. Who I last. I like that. Well, another thing, and, and this is hard to learn for a lot of people, is that team leads and supervisors need to accept that they are responsible for their team's production. Because it, let's face it, if they don't accept this responsibility, they are merely a critic. Boy, had a few of those. Uh, I've had a few of those myself too. So the enlightened team lead knows that their job is to constantly adjust and put the right pieces together to make a coherent whole. So that also bringing it back to the training and communicating and advocating for their performers. And they understand that by their example, they have far more influence than the, you know, in quotes, authority of their position. You know, the difference between influence and authority is really the difference between lead, leadership, and boss. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the actual definition of power is pow influence. You can gauge your power by how much influence you have. Sometimes that influence is money. Sometimes it's your reputation. Sometimes it's your word. Sometimes it's fear. <laughs> Sometimes it's fear. Yes, that's true too. But yeah, true power is all about influencing. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that to this conversation because we do impact our performers. We do impact our organization through influence. It's seldom by dictates. Yeah. And, and they're watching and they're listening. So take advantage of that. Use that for good. Yep, by example. Mm -hmm. So a team lead, a supervisor, really needs to have thinking as a superpower. And they should always be thinking in order to better understand the potential that they already have in their equipment and in their team and, and how best to use and increase their capacity the capability of what they have, and obviously quality. What can we do with what we already have to maximize our output is a thoughtful and it's an important question, but what's really important is it's not an opportunity to exhort your team to just do more. Yep, no, that totally makes sense because 
it's interesting. A lot of my job is creative, and sometimes I'm sitting there looking out the window. I look like I'm daydreaming, but I'm actually thinking and trying to solve a problem. And our leads and supervisors need to take that time to really ask the good questions. Right. And, and again, the question isn't about how do I get person A or person B to do this or do more, but it's really about how can, how can we uplift the system? to make the system have more capacity, more capability, more improved the quality, less variation. So uh, thinking is, that's part of the team lead job too. Yeah, which leads to your continuous improvement from the first thing. It, Amazing absolutely. how these are all intertwined, it, isn't it? it? The integration is frightening. <laughs> <laughs> so an, another thing that team leads and supervisors they are slow to change their mind until giving facts and data. It, it's really easy to listen to the last person you talk to, but actually checking and, and looking up the facts and the data, they're not easily intimidated by the powers that be, nor by the tyranny of the urgent that you like to call it. And an effective lead or supervisor is never in a hurry, yet they're still frighteningly effective at their own pace. They are, and you know, I, I really want to go back to that first piece of that that you said about uh, the, if they're an effective lead, it's not about the last person that talked to them. I missed a lot of dinners because I, I had a boss that if I wasn't there, somebody would tell him, oh, I really need this, and then he'd break his promise. He'd break his lineup to get this in, and then I'd have to call the rest of the customers in the morning because I wasn't the last one there. Uh, bottom line was I missed a lot of dinners because I made sure I was the next to the last person to leave. No, I get that. I've, I've had to deal with people too. And sadly, when you know that, then you try to be the last voice. You, you have to be. You yeah. have to be if you're responsible and you have to be if you have authority that can be overthrown. Then you need to do that to to be responsible and advocate for your performers, for your customers, for the promises and actually the legitimacy of your brand, right? Right, which is why we hope our team leads and supervisors are not that way. Exactly. They, they look at the whole picture. Exactly. So if there's one trait that a lead can have, a superpower, I'm going to call it a superpower, it's to really understand um, the heartbeat, the pulse of their operations. I used to play drums. I don't call myself a drummer anymore. Two son-in-laws and a son have demonstrated that I was definitely old school. But you really need to understand the beat, the pulse of your operations. And it doesn't require a lot of calculus. It's really just simple. I worked in a mill. We had a crane. And you know, the, the operators of the crane, they were human beings. They didn't want to make extra trips. It's a long way down 90,000 square feet of mill, right? Oof. So um, they weren't coming back with a crane half empty. So I knew, even if I was sitting in my office, every time I heard the crane make the Travers, it had two bundles, two 5,000-pound bundles. So I could go out at lunchtime, and they'd say, Guy here. How much do you think we made? And I would know because I'd heard eight crane, <laughs> crane moves. I did the simple math, and I knew the heartbeat. And they were amazed. It's like, how does he know? Magic. How does he know? 
its secret superpower was to understand and listen. Listen to the clues. Listen when the machine starts to make a chattering noise. Hey, it's time to look at something, right? Right. I mean, listen, understand your, your operation's heartbeat. It's, it's really about that, that, that to me is, that's the secret sauce. Sure. I mean, there, we talked about awareness of your, your performers. Now we're talking about awareness of your environment, your shop floor. Your Right. So guess what would get my butt out of the chair in the office faster than anything else? Chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, no, thank you. Actually, what would get me out of the office faster than anything was going 20 minutes and not hear the crane move. Ah, the silence. When I, like, why don't I hear the crane? It's time to go out. And now we go back to the part about support. Mm-hmm. Roll the sleeves up. How can I help? How can I help? Yep. Yep. Makes sense. So that actually bleeds right into our next, our next point that leads and supervisors should hold themselves to the same standard for performance that they do their team. So nobody's really above it. So you need to have the same standards, if not even a higher standard for yourself than you do the team. People hate hypocrisy and the old, you know, do as I say and not as I do, or as my mother would say, because I said so. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't really fly anymore. And I mean, it's not fair. You can't hold your performer at a certain standard that you haven't, you don't need to achieve. So, you know, the, to be held to account to a higher standard than one that we as leaders and fiduciaries hold ourselves to, respect is built on shared standards and shared achievements. Not every supervisor can do everything that their performers can, but they don't ask their performance to do anything that they themselves would not do. That's exactly right. And, you know, you talk about respect, and it goes right back up to the beginning when we talked about influence. Mm. With no respect, there is no influence. It's true. You want to know the power of your influence? Measure the respect that you're held. Yeah. It could even be seen in, in little ways. I, I'm friends with this one woman who owns a rather large company, and they had to cut costs because of the economy, so everyone had to vacuum their own office. Well, she vacuumed her own office, too. She didn't ask her assistant to do it. She did it, too, and when everybody saw that she vacuumed her own office too, then it wasn't such a menial task. It was, okay, this is part of my responsibility. Congratulations for actually showing the only exception to my highest and best use argument. (laughs) But the highest and best use in this case was their showing, their belonging, Mm -hmm. and their equality with the circumstances of their performers. So bravo, bravo to your friend. Well, we've seen it in a shop, too. When we went to Erie, in Sepco Erie, and Dan wanted to try continuous improvement, they started it in the men's bathroom, and he did it first. He was the first one to use their continuous improvement processes, and then everybody had to do it. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. because it was was truly shared. And uh, listeners, the cleanest men's bathrooms this side of the Mississippi River can be found at Sepco Erie in Erie, PA. I've been there. I've seen it. It's for real. 
really is. <laughs> so clean, they actually gave us a tour. <laughs> right. I mean, so it's impressive. And and it wasn't like they, you know, prepped for us or anything. It's the way it is every no, day. It's that's how it is. That's it's maintained that way. So how many of us would voluntarily say, "Hey, come, let me show you the men's room right in the <laughs> shop." I mean, that's that's authentic. That's right. That's but that's authentic. holding himself to a, a high standard, just like his performers. Absolutely high standard. Patience. Oh. Boy, patience is kind of short supply these days, right? <laughs> True. So. Not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody operates the same way. And some people need a little extra information, a little extra coaching, maybe a little in insight in order to get the job done to the standard. You can order somebody to do it, and they'll do it. But if you explain it in a way that actually aligns with their needs, they'll have understanding, and then they'll always do what's needed instead of just what you told them to do, which in some circumstances could not be the way you want to. <laughs> it's true. A lot of stuff's still in our head. What comes out of our mouth isn't necessarily the whole thing. Right. So that, that extra minute to provide some clarity or explaining why instead of just how, um, that is really insurance to help the performer uh, meet the standard for the, for the work that's required. And... Yeah, like you said, some people learn faster, some slower, some completely different ways. It maybe you just have to explain it differently for them to understand. I, but I think it, it does require patience. It, it does. It does. So our business vocabulary seems to be too black and white. Uh, when we talk, we talk about either managers or leaders as if those were the only relevant activities for management. My experience with supervisors and team leads denies that. Uh, it's not either or. Uh, the best team leads and supervisors combine the best traits of leaders and managing. And they do that, Carly, I think, by editing out the negatives of both. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, right? I think you're right. So I was just thinking, I think there's one more thing we should talk about, and that's anticipation in the anticipate what could happen contingency plans that sort of uh you know when you're in the lead things don't always go the way they're supposed to so anticipating potential issues could be a strong trait to have uh, i absolutely agree with that i mean every every supervisor is faced at the beginning of every shift with what if so and so what if that what if somebody can't make it in what if so that ability to anticipate not just react oh joe didn't come what am i going to do now it, no it's not about that it's like so if if they don't yeah you threw joe right under the bus sorry, he's here joe. joe showed up <laughs> i'm sorry joe always shows up joe shows up there you go what do you think listeners what did we miss what really frosted your flakes when you were the one assigned the work, not the one doing the assigning? What was the one thing that your very best supervisor or team lead did that made such a positive impression on you that you continue that behavior yourself? 
what was the one thing that you found truly motivated you to perform at your highest and best? Those are great questions to reflect on. I, I hope they share their reflections. I'd love to, love to get that, and maybe we'll invite somebody to join us for our podcast with their experience. How would you like them to share that? Why not just email Carly Kessler Miller at cmiller at pmpa.org. You can also email Miles Free at mfree at pmpa.org. And we're kind of poking at each other right now, but truly we would love to hear the answers to these questions. Or if you have even other questions that would be good to reflect on. Or if you think we're barking up the wrong tree, we'd love to hear that too, because we're into continuous improvement. That's right. And that wraps up today's podcast on leadership traits for team leads and supervisors. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org, where you can also search for articles, webinars, podcasts, and other resources. Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast because you don't want to miss one. And if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly? Because we are better together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.